This conversation is a must. Our guest, Mark Willis, is a certified financial planner on a mission, and his mission is to help you think differently about your money. This is a phenomenal conversation, and you will walk away thinking differently about your money. So have a listen. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives. Today we have an amazing guest. We have Mark Willis here with us, and he is a certified financial planner, three-time number one best-selling author, and owner of Lake Growth Financial Services. Mark, thank you so much for being with us. Please go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience. Thank you, Priscilla. Great to be on your show. So glad that we could make this work today. My name is Mark Willis. I'm a certified financial planner. I work with folks all over the United States and really around the world in various ways. Folks who'd like to build wealth in a truly sustainable and sane way and help them as business owners specifically become their own source of financing. I found in my years as a financial planner that if you control the financing function in your life and in your business, everything else becomes easier. And we're able to find more peace, more sanity, more control, and help us reach our financial objectives without taking a bunch of unnecessary risk. So that's a little bit about me. Background, my wife and I met at Abilene Christian University in Texas, and we've had the privilege of working with each other and with a small ministry here in Chicagoland for the last number of years as well on a volunteer basis. And it's just been a real privilege to get to kind of blend the passions that I have in faith and also finances and find specific ways we can help serve our clients, small business owners mostly. So that's a little bit about my background and kind of what brought me here today. Super excited to have you here. I love that your mission is to help you think differently about your money. I think we all need to think differently about our money and 2021. So thank you for being here. Now, Mark, you graduated with six figures in student loan debt. That's a lot. What did you do and how did you get out of it? Talk us through this, Mark. Uh It felt like a lot. And this was in 2008, uh, where we graduated with three private school degrees between us, my wife and I. We had no real plan to pay it off, didn't really understand the significance of how much debt it was. And so we just made casual effects toward our debt at the beginning until we were supposed to start paying it back. And those monthly payments, funny enough, Priscilla, came every month. And there was not a forgiveness note waiting on the other side of that sheet. So yeah, it seemed like we had this weight around our shoulders, around our neck. And if you recall, in 2008, there weren't a lot of high hopes for the economy at that time. And not a lot of people were hiring. So we were really out on our luck, you might say, and and just getting started in life. But we had some focus, some energy, some drive, and wanted to find the best possible way to pay off the debt. So we stumbled across the debt snowball method. It's a very popular way of paying off your debts. It's a strategy where you just pay your minimum on all your debts. And then on your smallest debt, you throw everything you can, all the income you can make and you can afford not to spend at the grocery store. You throw all the money you can at that one particular debt, the smallest debt or the one with the lowest interest depending, or highest interest depending on what you want. So we went after the smallest balance one at a time, and we got about a third to a half of the way through the project. We started with $120,000 in student loan debt, and we got down to about 70 or so before we started realizing something felt empty inside. And I wonder... Priscilla, if you or your audience has ever, you know, had one of those indulgent moments, you might eat a donut or an ice cream or something like that. 
and it feels so good as you're eating. But then you get to that certain point and you just get this pit in your stomach. You get that kind of empty feeling. And that's almost how it felt when we were paying off our debt. It was almost like we just had this nice sugar high of seeing our debt balance come down. And it was almost like one afternoon, we had a moment where we realized we'd never see that money ever again. We'd never see that money ever again. And also gone was all that that money would have grown to had we not had the debt and we otherwise had invested it instead. That to me, when I calculated the powerful lost opportunity cost, it was in the realm of almost a million dollars gone over our lifetime, even at a conservative interest rate. And that made me mad because I knew that my money had more power when I was young than when I was 60. If you're 25 years old, you've got more time to let that money compound than when you're 65 years old. Mm -hmm. And so the dollars in your pocket today are worth more than the dollars in your pocket tomorrow or 20 years from now. And so at that moment, I didn't know the answer, but I knew the problem. And the problem was I was not in control. There was a bank in control of my future. So that's sort of what got me to a point of wanting things to change hard enough to actually seek out alternatives, Priscilla, but that's kind of what it felt like as I was going through debt payoff strategies. Wow. It's interesting that you say that because I absolutely get that. And I think the audience will get that. You know, It's great when you plan to pay off debt, but you actually realize that at the end of it, you have really nothing to show for the fact that you just paid off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mark, I know you talk about controlling your finances and financing yourself. As an early entrepreneur, and I'm sure as our audience is listening, they're thinking, okay, Mark, how do I do that? That sounds like a anathema. It sounds like something that's just unattainable, especially if you're like most of us who didn't come from the uber wealthy class and you know didn't really have a silver spoon handed to us. Banks are the most profitable business industry in the world of all time. There's a book written by David Graeber. The book is called Debt the First 5,000 Years. Wow, what a title. The basic premise of the book is that debt and banking exists and it permeates your human civilization like just about as deeply as anything else. Music, artwork, banks are right in there with the rest of human civilization at the very roots, right down to caveman days. It was such an eye-opening book for me. The powerful concepts in the book really relied on, I guess, the truth that we're already in the banking business. We're already doing what banks are telling us to do with our money. And we're already doing the things that bring the banks the profits, but we don't always see the end result. We don't see the profits at the end of the day. That's absolutely true. Banks are really just like any other business and they're also hard to profit. It seems like all of modern or maybe Western society is designed to kind of thrive economically from debt. That is almost like that's our participation in normal participation in the economy. Now, for an early entrepreneur starting out in business, what would someone focus on for financial help? That's a great question. If you're early on in your business and you've had some wonderful guests on your show earlier that helped your audience focus on their profits, I would definitely suggest that you find the smallest hinge that can swing the biggest door. And that might be investing in yourself through education, getting certifications. It might mean really figuring out your why, you know, to determine why you're getting into business for yourself and leaving a perfectly good paycheck behind. It could be that you discover who your ideal client is, your ideal customer. But I would suggest too, one of the biggest financial hinges, you know, so I can't speak as much to marketing or mentality or strategy like that, 
But as a certified financial planner, you know, I found that there are certain financial vehicles that can really augment your business and others that really stifle your business. And there are enough businesses that are going extinct every year that we need all the help we can get to be, survive and thrive and do it in a way that's aligned with our values and you know help keep you in the driver's seat rather than giving it away, giving your power away, giving your freedom away, giving your control away to other entities like banks or credit cards or Wall Street and, and the like. If you, like most of our business owner clients, are looking for ways to let the small hinge swing the big door in your financial life, you really have to sit down and ask yourself, what do I truly want my money doing for me? Because if you don't ask that question about your money, then Priscilla, someone else will ask that same question about your money. What I mean by that is if you don't control where your money lives, someone else will control where it lives. And that's not going to be a good outcome for your business, for your family, or for yourself and for your future. So it really starts with asking some basic questions like, hey, what sort of characteristics do I want my money to have? If I could put my money anywhere in the world, cryptocurrency, hedge funds, real estate, annuities, the list goes on and on, right? 401ks, so many more different similar strategies from around the world. You really have to ask yourself, well, what happens when I put my money in this little bucket over here? What does it act like? What sort of characteristics does it have? And one of the more interesting conversations I like to have with clients over Zoom or over the phone is just something like that. Like, hey, if you could wave a magic wand, if you could create a brand new financial instrument that is never before seen, a unique creature in the world, what sort of attributes, characteristics would you want that money to have? And they'll go on and answer that question. I'll give you two or three. I'd love to play a little game with you if you'd like, Priscilla. Like, what sort of characteristics would you want your money to have? I'll get you started with one or two. Like, how about a competitive rate of return? You know, good rate of return. Access to money. That's another one a lot of people tell me is very important to them, getting access to the cash. That's very important for the business owner to get access to the money without penalties. Does that spark any ideas for you? Yeah, definitely. For me, I think I'd think of just the growth of the money in a safe asset, something that I don't have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out, something that's simple to understand, that's safe, and I can just check on it reasonably at reasonable intervals. Yeah, those are the attributes that I would want. Simple... Simple, safe, safe, doesn't Mm -hmm. require a lot from me, but I'm sure that there's some growth happening there. Yeah. You just want it to work. Yes. You know, it's like our smartphones. I don't have a clue how they smash cameras and GPS and radio antenna. All I know is I swipe and the thing works. Mm. And it's incredible that we have this in our pockets. And I agree with you. I think simplicity, if we're going to be running a business, we don't also need to become full-time investment professionals. I might be selling wedding cakes, whatever, but I can't also be a full-time investor. And it wouldn't really help my business if I was. If I had all my money in uh, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, and similar financial vehicles, not only would I have to track them all the time, how's the Dow Jones doing today? How's the stock market doing today? But I'd have to know what stocks or ETFs to pick, all of which keeps my money out of my business where I can't use the money and it's over there. I'm being charged by somebody else to manage my assets. Here in the United States, Priscilla, they call it an assets under management fee. So you get charged a fee so they can have your assets under their management. Any investment advisor will typically charge you an assets under management fee. Well, that to me doesn't sound like it's under 
your management, right? It's under theirs. So if you want access and simplicity and safety, we have to look in specific places for our money to go. And again, the core concept, back to your original question, what can help a business succeed? It really comes down to really deciding what do you want your money doing for you? And I can't answer that question for everybody on this podcast today. But I know for me, I similarly like you, Priscilla, I wanted simplicity. I wanted access to money. I wanted it to grow in a decent way, beating inflation. I wanted it to be safe where it's not going to be exposed to the market's madness or other risks like creditors and predators out there. So all of that really bundled together my search for not only for my financial future and my own business that I wanted to get started, but also to pay off all my student loan debt. How could I use this account, whatever it was, to pay off my debts and help me become not just debt-free, I wanted to be better than debt-free. I wanted to be more than just solvent at net zero. I wanted to be thriving. So that's a bit about kind of where I see most business owners struggle is access to capital, being told where their money should go. And instead of having a hinge that swings the door open for them, it's usually a bolt that's locking their money shut. What can we do to avoid those specific things that are plaguing small business owners and entrepreneurs? You know, as far as like action step, it starts with that brainstorm. Thinking is very rare. You know, there's an old quote that says 20% of us actually think, another 20% of us think that we think, and the (laughs) remainder of us would rather die than think. And so I'm really speaking to the 20% of you guys out there today who are wanting and do truly think because I almost can't help the rest. By the very nature that you're listening to this podcast today, you're already taking action to learn. You're turning your car into a library. You know, you're, you're doing your dishes or walking your dog and listening to this show. And something about this show is saying something to you. So the question is, what are you going to do about it? The best thing I can say is take a little legal pad or pen and paper or jot it on your phone and just think about some of the characteristics you want your money to have for you. It takes 15, 20 minutes, but I promise you most people will spend their entire life and never slow down to think about the characteristics they want their money to have for them. We've got a little course on our membership site that helps you think through this. It's free uh, and you can go to notyouraverage.mn.co and get on that course for free. It's just a simple little exercise that helps us really think through all the variables of where money goes and then helps you know, here's the places out of 450 financial vehicles I've been able to keep up with, here's the two or three that really match what you're looking for. Okay. So with all that in mind, what's one that really stuck out to me uh, was strangely enough, very old financial asset. Uh, One that really comes to the top of the heap most every time I have the conversation with folks, especially business owners that helps them survive and thrive. And it's what helped me pay off my student loan debt too. Uh, Strangely enough, it's a modern form of an old fashioned whole life insurance policy. Now, of all things, I wouldn't have expected I'd be talking about life insurance, but it meets all of my requirements personally for my own financial life. It helped me build a safe, predictable rate of return on my cash. I have access to the money inside the account that I can use for any reason for my business or for paying off my student loan debts, which I have used the policies for both of those things and more, cars, vacations, business real estate investments. And I'm able to use the money like a bank. I can essentially, like a banker, borrow from my policy and then pay the policy back on my own terms. 
I'm in control now. I've got the bank in my control. You know, it's no longer somebody else's bank. I'm already going to be in the banking business, right? You know, it's it's 5,000 years old. We're already participating in the banking world. We might as well sit on the right side of the banker's desk. So for me, using the policy like a bank has given me the opportunity to bank on myself and to become my own source of financing. And as a business owner, that's tremendously liberating because I no longer have to come hat in hand to the banker asking for a loan. They're notorious at giving you money when you don't need money. And they're notorious about taking away your money right when you need it the most. There's an old quote by Mark Twain. He says, a banker is a fellow who'll lend you his umbrella when the sun shines, but wants it back as soon as it starts to rain. (laughs) So that's what I have found myself. Is it the right fit for everybody? No. But it's an incredible tool. I think it's too often overlooked by most business owners who are looking for solutions to problems we've mentioned. Access to capital, good guaranteed return. It's simple. There's not, it's not tied to Wall Street, so it just grows. I don't have to worry about which stocks did we pick last week. In the United States, the tax law says it's completely tax-free. So, And maybe in other countries as well. That's sort of one tool that's been very practical for me. Because it's allowed it to come down the ladder from, hey, it's great, you know, bank on yourself. Great. Sounds like a cool mantra, cool concept, cool affirmation to say in the morning, I'm going to bank on myself. But how can I take it from the mindset and bring it down to the practical real world? Well, this is one tool that's been unbelievably game changing for my personal life. It allowed me to pay off all my student loans and my professional life and my investment life too for real estate and more. And it's been helpful for hundreds of our clients around the country as well. So that's one little specific actionable tool that your audience can check out if they'd like to. Wow. That just blew my mind right now. Absolutely blew my mind. We have to go to that website and check that out because I've never heard that before. So that's phenomenal. Mark, you just talked about real estate investing and it's great. Let's move on to that because now with real estate investing, typically people think, oh, I can't do it because I don't have a huge amount of money to put into real estate. But at the same time, as entrepreneurs and small business owners, we know that a lot of wealth is built through real estate. Help us out, Mark. What's the uh, way to get started with that? I'll be a broken record for a second, then I'll answer your question. Again, don't just jump into real estate because it's hot. Don't just Mm -hmm. jump into real estate because you heard somebody else talk about it. Figure out if you really want real estate in your portfolio. I've met people who should not be doing real estate, who definitely are, it's going to end badly. I hate to say that, but it will. It did 12 years ago in 2008. You'd meet the dry cleaner person or you know the librarian or you know just everybody doing my hair back when I had hair uh, was talking about real estate. And mm-hmm. you know, guess what? It didn't end up great for everybody in the real estate space. So before you jump in, get back to that original brainstorm. What do you want your money doing for you? Uh, real estate is an incredible tool. As far as wealth building tools, as old as the pyramids. So definitely don't count it out, but realize that it's not a cure-all. And there are a lot of problems in the real estate space that you need to be aware of. Nothing guaranteed about real estate. Okay, The money in the real estate project is not liquid. Typically, you got to sell the property to get your money back out. Renters or tenants are not always going to pay you rent. And you got to come up with money for the mortgage, regardless of the tenant paying you. And of course, over the long term, it can be a great way to appreciate wealth, a great way to bring in cash flow. But just realize that you want to complement it with other, again, small hinges on the big door of your financial life. And if your business is selling widgets, 
and yet all of your money is tied up into a couple of real estate deals, it's not going to really help your widget business thrive. What I have found for most of our business owner clients is that most of their net worth is tied up inside their business. And if their business is widgets, maybe they should be focusing on widgets rather than real estate. And if you really want to expose yourself to the real estate industry or asset class, bring on some key people who can be your best advocate and either give them some of your attention or finance or just accept that your business itself is going to be your greatest investment and then couple it with safe, predictable assets. There's kind of a philosophy in the financial world where you have to have a risk asset, okay, like a risky thing, high risk stock, or I would call our businesses risk assets. Any business is possibly going to be wonderfully profitable, but it's honestly, even the business that you've started that you love so much, I have to say it's a risky thing to put most of your net worth into one asset like your business. Now, the power is you've got control over that asset, being that it's your business, but there's a high probability it might go to $0 in net worth. So what can we do? You can take a risk asset like your business and you can couple it with a safe asset, a risk-free asset. So in the financial world, they call this the coupling of risk and risk-free. It's a great way to blend a portfolio to get kind of technical, where you have now a well-diversified portfolio. You can even take more risk with your business when you have a safe asset on the other side. I want you guys to imagine a barbell if you've ever lifted weights, or if you haven't, try a seesaw on the playground. And as you lift your barbell up, you can lift both sides of that barbell up when they are equally weighted. If you've got nothing on one side, and 100 kilograms on the other side, that's going to be a lot of trouble lifting that barbell up. But if you've balanced it between the risk side and the risk-free side, you can have a ton of fun and you can get really strong that way. So again, using that whole life insurance contract, it has no risk since it's growing guaranteed. Literally, the word guaranteed is written right into the contract that the insurance company gives you. So you've got a predictable, accessible, guaranteed to grow for you every year asset on this side of your barbell, and on the other side, your business or your real estate investment or, you know, anything else that might come with some risk or speculation. So, bringing those two together can be like, oh, toast and Vegemite or peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) I got to (laughs) get some Vegemite again. So, or or Batman and Robin or nitro and glycerin. They just work better together. Mm -hmm. So, when you get uh, a whole life insurance contract, with your business or your real estate deal, it just works. I'll tell you a very quick story Then I'll hush. Uh, Just had a guy in Michigan a few years ago when the real estate market was very depressed. He borrowed several hundred thousand dollars out of his life insurance policy. And he used that to buy 22 real estate properties, 22 properties over time. And he was buying them on the cheap, you know, 50 cents off, 80 cents off the dollar. Some of these properties in Michigan, Detroit area. And he used his policy. Now, his policy was continuing to grow as if he had no loan against the policy. Like a bank, the bank gets to have double dip. It gets to grow the money. As you've borrowed out the money, the policy's wealth continues to climb and grow guaranteed. And he has his real estate working for him as well. Now, could that real estate have gone to zero? I guess so. But it didn't. And he got an incredible seven-figure return in terms of dollars between his whole life policy and all of the real estate properties he bought and then sold later on. 
So that's an incredible way to blend two things together to make them stronger without having to become an investment expert. You couldn't do that with stock market accounts, brokerage accounts, things like that. Yeah. Thank you for that. I love these shows where we get to talk about the money side of business because a lot of the conversations we have around small business entrepreneurs is marketing, is products, is this and that. And it keeps us so busy that a lot of times we forget that the money is very, very important to our futures, even outside of our businesses. So great to have these conversations and thank you for sharing that. You got to go back to Jesus, you know, Jesus spent more time talking about money than he did about any other topic except the kingdom of God. Marketing, sort of like evangelism, he spent more time talking about money than about evangelism or marketing. I just think there's some really interesting things we can learn about our faith in how we put our money to work. So where we put our money makes it do different things. We've talked about that, but it also does different things to our hearts. And if all of my money is tied up into the stock market, that changes how I feel. When the market crashes, I feel poor. Mm. Even though I didn't sell a thing, right? Even though I didn't lose anything, it was paper losses. You know, it's just a digits on a screen. But if my money is tied up into something that just tanks one day and then is up the next, I feel rich. I feel poor. I mean, that does something to the human heart, doesn't it? Anyway, I think sanity and predictability helps us pay more attention less attention to our money, having to watch that, you know, wild beast over there and spends more time with things that really matter. You know, our family, our faith, our business, the things that we can see, touch, experience, enjoy about this life. So I'm, I'm off my soapbox, but that's one thing that I've noticed as an ancillary uh, side benefit to just, again, thinking carefully about where you want your money to live. Yeah, that's a great perspective. And you're absolutely right. You can literally drive yourself crazy keeping track even trying to keep track, it's almost impossible, actually, unless it's your full-time job to keep track of what's happening in the markets. Now, I have to ask you this, Mark, because I saw this and I said, we need to find out about this. What are the things to consider when it comes to a tax strategy? I don't know where everyone in your audience is living, so the tax law will be different in your country. But I will say the themes that I notice are, do you want to pay taxes on the seed or the harvest? This is true around the world. And every tax law I've looked into, financial vehicles either require a tax on the seed or a tax on the harvest. So I'll tell you a quick story. Farmer getting up, getting his coffee going, and he's just getting his day started. And he hears a knock at the door. So in walks a tax collector in the United States. It's the Internal Revenue Service. In walks this IRS agent, sits down at his table, and the farmer says, hey man, what are you doing here? And the IRS agent, the tax collector says, oh, uh, yeah, we, we just wanted to ask you a simple question. And how you answer our question will determine how we treat you in terms of your taxes for the rest of your life. And the farmer says, okay, well, I'm, I'm listening. What's the question? And the IRS agent says, do you want us to tax you on your seed or on the harvest? And the farmer says, well, that's easy. I want you to tax the seed. I want my seed to be taxed. So all of my harvest is mine alone. And the IRS agent takes a few notes. He gets up and he's walking out the door and he looks back at the farmer and he says, you said the seed, right? And the farmer says, yeah, the seed. And the IRS agent says, well, that's funny. Why are all of your retirement accounts taxing your harvest? Mm. And that's the truth. Most of our retirement accounts, the supers, the RRSPs, the 401ks, the IRAs, everything that we have in the Western world that I'm aware of, 
and maybe other countries as well, typically have a taxable harvest where all of our money will be taxed in retirement. And this is something that has only been around really in the last generation or so. The 401k here in the United States, of which many other retirement vehicles have been modeled, is taxed on the harvest. And yet, if I was to ask anybody, almost to a T, I can't think of a single person that I've talked with over the last two or three years who said that they believe taxes are going to be lower in the future. They all think taxes are going higher. I don't know about you, Priscilla, but in our country, taxes are looking like they're going to go higher over the next 20, 30, 50 years. So the question really is, do you want to pay those taxes? I'm happy to pay a fair tax and I need to pay my taxes. There are plenty of potholes here in Chicagoland, let me tell you, on the roads. (laughs) But I don't need to leave the IRS a tip. I don't need to leave them more than is obligated. So do I pay my taxes on the seed or the harvest? And where you put your money will determine that outcome. You don't get to decide. Once the money's in a traditional 401k or IRA, the government's already decided for you that you will be taxed on your harvest. So think carefully about that particular question. Now, we could go into more about taxes if you'd like, Priscilla, but just on a very basic notion, the retirement account you have, or hopefully have, the wonderful thing for business owners is the 401k and similar plans in other countries, they don't just give you those when you start your business. So when you're a business owner, you get to decide where you're going to keep your retirement account. And hopefully you set one up for yourself. Ask yourself, do I want to be taxed on the seed or the harvest? Yeah, that's a great question. I think everybody needs to do their homework and really think about that. To take these things for granted. I think for the average person, we're just happy having a retirement account that we don't go deeper. And then we get shocked when at the end, we don't actually have the money we thought mm-hmm. we had. If we have a superannuation or a 401k, we are partners with our governments in our retirement account. And it's a surprise to learn that a third of your money in those accounts doesn't belong to you. A third to more, depending on how high up taxes go, which is a big surprise, isn't it? terrible surprise to have, but <laughs> there are financial vehicles you can have that are available tax-free in retirement. That is, it's not a death sentence. It's not locked in. And so thinking carefully about where your money goes will really help you enjoy the life you want to have. Yeah, absolutely. Now I found this term that you mentioned and I've never heard this. I said, I got to ask you, what does it mean to go upstream financially? Well, we're all on that journey <laughs> upstream or downstream, and we can either just let our gutter take us down the stream of life. If you were to meet the average person on the street and you started to kind of understand their perspective on money, you'd start to see a theme. Either they're moving upstream or they're moving downstream. And I want you to envision a little like tennis ball floating down the gutter of life, just passively getting pushed around by the streams and currents and garbage and whatever else. And it's going to end up wherever it's going to end up. That is the typical financial journey for most people. And again, I'm not able or really capable of helping folks that are just sort of floating down life's gutter. But what I think can be truly transformative is having meaningful conversations with folks over the phone, Zoom, around the world, where we're learning to move upstream, to find ways to bend and dodge the mainstream current that's coming right at us all the time, to tell us to put our money into a 401k or an IRA or a superannuation or anything else and say, all right, is that truly what I want? Because maybe it is. But if it isn't, what else are they not telling me that I can do with my money? And you can always just start the conversation by saying, hey, I don't know what the truth is. 
but I know what they're telling me is not the whole truth. That's a great way to start your thought process. I had a mentor of mine sit down with me as I was going through my own debt payoff strategy and I was still a debtor. So I'm in the bottom part, the financial stream, you, you might say. And the mentor said to me, this was a move to help me move upstream. He said to me, Mark, is it possible Dave Ramsey could be wrong about something? Now, here in the United States, at the time anyway, 10, 12 years ago, Dave Ramsey was a, and still is, a very popular radio host, focuses on financial peace. And he'd helped my wife and I get really serious about our budget and about paying off our student loans. He introduced us to that debt snowball method I mentioned earlier. So he was, you know, right up there with writing the fifth gospel in my mind. He kind of had a corner on the financial truth in my mind anyway. But when my mentor, college professor of mine, came to visit and I was telling them all these wonderful things about Dave Ramsey and how he, you know, basically walks on water, uh, my mentor said to me, uh, Mark, is it possible that Dave Ramsey could be wrong about something? And that felt like a ton of bricks. And simultaneously felt like I'd been liberated. I don't know if that concept makes sense. Once I heard that and I let it creep into my closed mind, it felt like I was moving upstream and I'll never stop moving upstream now. Not only did we stop the debt snowball method, but we then did something that we now have trademarked, the debt snowbank method for paying off our debt. And that's where we build up wealth in our own bank, our whole life policies, and we borrow against that to wipe out debt. That's how we paid off the rest of our student loan. Rather than just being net zero, when we finally got to debt free, we'd be zero dollars in our bank account and we don't own anything and we don't owe anybody anything. We're at zero dollars. Okay. We flatlined our financial life. That's sort of the best you can do with the debt snowball method, getting back to net zero in your life. And I don't want to just crawl and scratch my way back to the starting line of my life. I don't want to just get to net zero. I wanted not just to be debt-free, I wanted to be better than debt-free. And so we've started the debt snow bank method where we built up money in our policy as we continue to pay down our debts. And at some point, each of our accounts on our remaining student loans had enough left in the student loans where we could borrow against our life insurance and wipe out the debt. And our policies continued to earn interest and dividends as if we hadn't borrowed the money out. So for us, it was now we're better than debt-free. We're moving upstream financially and we're thinking differently with our money, our economy. We're not just going along with, again, the gutter of life. We're now saying what else is out there that we can find. So it's helped us. We've now started several of these policies. We've used them to invest in real estate. We're no longer just a tenant in a rental property, not just a homeowner, but now we're investors. So see, we're moving upstream financially. And it's not just me, you know, of course, our clients are doing this where they're moving upstream. They're getting a bigger mindset and truly finding their path forward to a bigger and brighter future. That's not just being given a prescription of what to do with your money, but to truly say, all right, I'm going to let this money thing become a part of my overall discipleship in this life where I can become the best version of myself and not just take what I've been given, but to move forward and to engage it properly. So that's what I mean when I say move upstream financially. Yeah, that's an absolute mindset shift. And it's just a great perspective to have. Like you said, a lot of times people just take for granted that, you know, you're kind of powerless as many things happen to you. And it's funny because we try to take control of every aspect of our lives. But when it comes to money, it's like, ah, oh, things are just kind of yeah. happening to me. <laughs> it's, great it's, that, true. it's great that you've brought this in. Now, Mark, how does someone begin what resource, what book, what way of thinking would you say can someone begin to build up 
the right kind of knowledge to shift that mindset money-wise. There's a great series of books. I'd say if it was just one, uh, maybe the, the book, The Bank on Yourself, Revolution by Pamela Yellen. It really is a revolution happening uh, across the country, across the world, and it is available anywhere you can find a book. Uh, it's a New York Times bestselling book. Um, and Pamela Yellen wrote the book, coined the phrase, Bank on Yourself, absolutely changed my perspective on everything I buy. And I'd start there. And then, you know, humbly, I've got a few books I co-authored on this concept. One was for business owners in particular, co-authored it with Danny Stock. And the book is called How to Be an Amazon Legend and Fire Your Banker. So I'd happily uh, get that book out to anybody who reaches out to me if they'd like to. Oh, great. Thank you so much for that. I was going to ask you about the books. They all had really interesting titles. And I wanted to find if you could give us like a brief premise. How to be an Amazon legend and fire your banker? Well, it's sort of what we've been talking about here. The Amazon legend piece, I co-authored this with Danny Stock, who runs a group called Amazon Legends with Ryan Rieger. And it's business owners, simple solopreneur. Some people are just getting started. Some people are doing eight figures a year with multiple staff and warehousing, but they're using the platform of e-commerce, you know, amazon.com, walmart.com, you know, making incredible livings and employing many people. I'll try to keep it brief, but I uh, coupled the concept of being a business owner with this idea of guaranteed, predictable cash on the sidelines for your business or for your family in a whole life insurance policy designed the bank on yourself way. And it gives the business owner control, access, predictability, tax-free access to money and helps them purchase their inventory and also create a retirement stream of income they can't outlive. So that's a brief premise on the book. Wow. I actually heard so many questions that I've heard about financing as you were talking. Things like how to finance inventory, needing money for growth. So many of those really big issues for entrepreneurs that you just answered in that premise. That sounds like a great... I'll go to the next one. Secrets of Lifetime Financial Security. That's the premise. Yeah, that's a wonderful book. And thank goodness I didn't write the whole thing because that's what makes it great is the many voices. So a lot of my colleagues who are all financial professionals you know, certified public accountants, financial advisors, insurance agents, investment advisors, attorneys, they all got together with me and we all wrote this book together to just really elucidate and consolidate all of our, I guess, best wisdom on what makes for a financially stress-free future. And we put it together as the secret to lifetime financial security. And it's been a great best-selling book for many years now. It's a best of playlist for the best financial secrets I think uh, are out there today. Yeah. The third book, you know, Real Estate Investing for Women. Mm -hmm. so I'm not sure how I got into that book, to be very <laughs> honest, Priscilla, <laughs> obviously. But uh, I was so grateful. Monika Sawyer, who's just been a wonderful delight to work with for many years, she invited me to be one of the only guys uh, collaborating with her on that book and uh, really just helping folks discover same strategy. My mission, as mentioned earlier, is to help people reach their financial milestones without taking unnecessary risks and to become their own source of financing. I believe that financing and banking is the biggest wealth transfer in our lifetime. And I'm saying even if you pay cash for things like a real estate property or a car or remodeling your kitchen or sending your kid to college, all of the stuff we got to buy in our lifetime is either going to be paid for with somebody else's bank or your bank. 
And even if you pay cash, you're still in somebody else's bank, aren't you? Because you kept that money in their deposit system and their savings. By the way, did it really stay on the books at the bank? No, they are loaning out your deposit to a borrower behind you in line. So the bank is making a ton of money off of your simple savings account. They pay you no interest. And then they go turn around and loan that money out for 10% or whatever the loan rate is. That's an incredible business model. And once again, why banks are always going to be with us for the next 5,000 years. So anyway, either we're in the banking business at somebody else's bank or we're in the banking business at our own bank. And one thing's for sure, one thing I've absolutely become convinced of is that I want to be the banker. If it's going to be a banking transaction like a car or kids college or whatever, it's going to be run through my family bank rather than through somebody else's. Mm. That's what that book is all about. How to use this same strategy for real estate investing. Oh, what has faith meant to you on your journey? Oh man, I think it's still an incredibly evolving process for me. I knew that you're going to ask this question. And even now, as you ask the question, I realized that both faith can be a very esoteric, non-bodily feeling. It can be very woo-woo, you know, but I've learned that faith is built right into your hands and your feet and your heart. And how you do the dishes matters more than maybe your beliefs, your esoteric theologies, how you serve your fellow man. What's so fascinating to me is that this thing called money, I think there's a book in here somewhere. I'm trying to figure out exactly what we're going to call the book or what it's going to be about. But again, Jesus spoke more about money than he did about virtually any other topic. So, he must have known that there's a important relationship between money and our heart. If your money is causing you stress, there's literally in the Journal of American Medical Association, JAMA, there's a coined phrase. It's called a wealth shock. And more people go to hospitals with heart attacks after the market crashes than on a good day. So we know that there's a medical reality to our money. And there's a faith reality to our money too. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, uh, as Jesus says. So give a lot of weight to where your money is because it will impact not just your returns, your taxes. It's going to impact your faith. It's going to impact your family. That's crucial. So maybe that's the shortest answer I can give you, but there's a lot more to it than that. Oh, Mark, thank you so much for uh, this interview. It's been amazing. My pleasure. And and for those just listening, it's a way for you to find our podcast, not your average financial podcast. And you can go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash quick B-O-Y. Thank you, Mark. If you got any value out of today's episode, please do leave a review. Let us know how we can serve you better. And let us know what kind of guests you'd like us to bring on and what exactly it is that you'd like to know. Also, connect with us on Instagram at Reinventing Perspectives or visit our website, www.reinventingperspectives.com, where you can grab a free preview of our latest book, The Christian Entrepreneur's Toolkit. Thank you so much for listening in. We absolutely value your time and we value your input. Have a great day.